Hi, and welcome to the Blue Mountains Trail Runner podcast. I'm Craig Binks from Blue Mountains Trail Films. I produce and edit the episodes for Blue Mountains Trail Runner podcast. You can also see the video version of this podcast on the Blue Mountains Trail Films YouTube channel. In this episode, Ben Berryman from the Blue Mountains Marathon Clinic interviews North Face athlete Dave Burns. Dave had a successful career as a track runner, achieving national titles and representing Australia at the Commonwealth Games and World Junior Championships. After retiring from track running, Dave was lured into trail running after being inspired by the amazing achievements of ultra-trail runners. Now one of the best trail runners in the country, Dave recently set a fastest-known time for the Hanel Spur in the Kosciuszko National Park in the Australian Alps. The interview was recorded at the Cafe 2773 at Glenbrook in the Blue Mountains west of Sydney. A tradition for many years, the Wednesday afternoon community run attracts dozens of runners from all over Sydney and the Blue Mountains. The post-run burgers and, ca- and drinks at the Cafe 2773 and the opportunity to meet with the occasional running celebrity brought to the runs by the Blue Mountains Running Co. add that bit extra spice to the run. Stay tuned as Ben and Dave talk us through the recent Hanel Spur FKT. All right, good evening everyone. I hope that everyone can hear us okay. Thanks very much for for coming along and joining us um, here tonight. If ever, you know, I'm that saying that there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. If ever there was a good opportunity for a company to, to talk themselves up a little bit, um, I think we've created that for you tonight. Um, look, number one, thank you very much to, to Lachlan and the team for, for feeding everyone so well here at 2773 today. And, uh, and of course, um, on behalf of, of, of Shane and Belinda, the, the running shop, obviously, are, are very pleased that everyone's coming along and, and that we have these Wednesday nights back functioning again um, and that we've got our first opportunity uh, for somebody to come along and have a bit of a talk to us tonight. So, so tonight, I'd like to welcome Dave Byrne along. Dave, um, we are here primarily um, to talk about your recent FKT uh, run on Hanel Spur. But I thought um, just for everybody here, you know, you've got a long history in running. You've been running for a a long time since uh, really probably quite an elite level as a schoolboy. I just thought we might set the scene a bit with some background on yourself. And and can you tell us a bit about, you know, your running background as, as I guess, school into early years out of school? And I imagine probably quite hopeful of chasing Olympic dreams at that point of your uh, of your running. Uh, yeah, so um, sorry. Thanks for everyone for coming. It's raining and horrible, so I thought it'd be like three people here. So I'm pretty stoked. But you're all here because Brendan's here. I'll be honest. I idolise Brendan. He was—he's like that. My transition into trail running was Brendan, my inspiration, and that I'm happy to say it. Um, yeah, well, it was. I watched you. I'm—I'm going to jump ahead, but I watched Brendan win UTA. We were there filming it. <clears throat> and I hadn't run in years. I'd stopped. I'd chucked it in and gone, why would you run unless someone's chasing you? And then um, I watched Brendan with there filming it all day. I'm watching this bloke and I'm like, surely he's going to stop and walk for a bit. And I said to the cameraman, I'm like, I reckon he's just running for the cameras. But um, And then he won. And then I was like, this sport is epic. I'm going to do it. So anyway. but uh, and, I've, and I remember I used to email you and ask you questions. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, I started out as a track runner. I was a 400, 800 runner. Um, probably the smallest 400 runner you'll ever see, um, but the angriest. 
Um, so, yeah, and then uh, as a junior and, um, yeah, always had aspirations of Olympics and the like, but um, in all honesty, probably never had the head for it because in saying that, you know, you, a lot of these guys, you've got to be so single-minded and I was always off wanting to run up mountains and go bush and go fishing. I was obsessed with fishing. Um, and so, yeah, I was running really well and I went to like world juniors and things like that and then um, and went to world cross country as a senior and, and, you know, got won national titles and things but never really was, to be honest, good enough. Um, and, yeah, but always flogged myself trying to get there and then chucked it in after Melbourne Com Games and, um, yeah, and then had a break. And then saw Brendan and started trail running. Great, thanks. You sort of, and look, I guess you've preempted my question about the transition. What what sparked the transition from from a track background through not really running a lot? And and look, from the era that you were in the track, there's a few names that that float around. I know Joel Fitzgerald probably is a similar sort of era to you, um, who, who's dabbled in in some of the trail and ultra events as well. Um, but I guess. Since you've come across then and, and been racing predominantly, you know, in bush running, trail running, what a obviously six foot, oh, sorry, obviously um, knapsack six hour is the highlight. Um, but, but beyond that, what are, what are some of the highlights for you in your time in this sort of world of trail running from your experiences? Um, my biggest highlight was an epic failure, but it was because of where that epic failure happened. It meant I spent more time in an awesome place. Um, was running the Eiger in, in Switzerland. Um, that was pretty rad. It's, a, it's an amazing race. I tell everyone, if you're ever going to do an international trail race, that's, that's the one I would do, and I'm desperate to go back and run it again and try and be um, and not explode. Um, yeah, but, I mean, locally there's, there's obviously six foot, which is, which is awesome growing up, you know. You know about six foot even if you're a track runner. And, um, and, you know, uh, winning that was pretty rad. Um, losing that was even radder because I lost to Stu in the year he got the record. Um, and, um, yeah, and other than that, the UTA is always awesome, you know. Most of the best experiences I've had have also been, have been from spectating. Um, I really enjoy being around the events more as much as I like running them. Sometimes running them is not as in enjoyable because of the the stress and, and, and I really feel the stress for some reason. I probably shouldn't. I used to be more chilled out with racing, but um, I don't know, it just does my head in now. I constantly think about it. I'm like, man, and you know, for like weeks you think about it. But when you're a spectator, you just go there and have a great time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe just be a spectator, hey? <laughs> I, I like the way you're talking. Look, the, the, the other good thing you've mentioned there is you've, because we're recording this, I can't wait to point out to Ardip that you've referenced when his record got broken, and so that's a highlight for me of this interview already. Um, look, I suppose then, you know, this this FKT world might be something that would be interesting to a number of us. It's certainly got a lot of interest in the past 12 months with our worldwide, you know, shift in how, how life happens for us. Do you think that, that that's something that you'd pursue more of? Um, I guess in the context, does, are you more relaxed in that FKT world than going into a race? And is it something that you're interested in more broadly? Um, look, the, the beauty of FKTs is that you can do them when you choose. So the limitation with a race, and I always found that as a track runner, is you've got an 800 metre run, you've got one minute 
under one minute and 50 seconds to do your job on a set day. There's no flexibility um, around it at all. Whereas if, if you want to go and do an FKT, you plan it around your life when you're going to be fit and ready and you can have a window of multiple days in which to do it. Um, and so it, 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 to me, it, it certainly has piqued my interest a lot, not just because of events not being on, but, but also the explorative side of things. You, you can do things that others haven't done before um, and, and, and that, that part of it is, is really interesting and exciting because, you know, you're looking at maps and you're planning and you're looking at routes and there's a lot of unknowns, whereas with an event it's all, you know, you've, you pretty much just rock on up and follow the, the ribbon, the pink ribbon in the trees, you know, whereas with some of these FKTs that I've been looking at and I've been looking at a lot um, over the last couple of years, you know, there's a lot of research and that, that that's part of the fun of it all is the planning and preparation and research and um, and there is still stress and pressure and all that as well, um, but it's different. It is different. Um, and and when you do one, you sort of sit there going, well, that's going to go and get smashed soon, so then you want to go back and make it a bit quicker. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, so uh, fastest known time. So... I guess it's the world of records, but in a context where it's not in an in an established event. Um, I um I wish I could associate with that one minute fifty thing for eight hundred, um, <laughs> but that's all good. Um, so like so, can we then focus a bit on the most recent FKT, the the Hanels Spur Run? Um, but before we start to dig into your particular run. My understanding is it was part of a, I suppose, a week or a weekend focus um, from a whole range of athletes um, supported by North Face where they locally sort of picked the thing that they wanted to chase. Can you talk a bit about those 10 athletes, I think it was, and how that focus came together, the sorts of things that you're aware of people were chasing and maybe any of the achievements that you're aware of? Uh, well, look, it was it was a global campaign um, to show. Essentially, it was a shoe launch. That's that's the marketing side of things. But it was all it was more to, to for athletes to go out there and do epic stuff um, and 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 not have to do it in a racing context. And I think the the, the biggest one of all was Power Capella attempting sub twenty for UTMB, um, which was unbelievable. Even just to run that stupid course. For the sake of just r trying to run really on your own, like man, why would you want to hurt for that long? But I mean, but he, yeah, and, and so he was—he's kind of like the big fish, pal. But he, um, but yeah, there was there were athletes all around around the world that were chasing FKTs to 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 prove the technology and the evolution in in, in the North Face footwear. Um, and yeah, we we're, were uh, there was an Aussie crew there was um, that featured a Kiwi, Vic Beck. Kiwi woman um, living in Mackay, and we all uh, converged upon Threadbow. That was our little base, and then from there, we each picked different FKTs that that kind of piqued our interest. And um, for Blake, his was a bit more explorative, going out on the Sentinel, which is which is unreal. I was really actually pretty jealous when we're out there filming it and that. I'm looking at the drone and I'm looking at where he is. And I'm like, man, I wish I picked that one. Um, <laughs> Just because it was unreal, it was cool. Because I, I want to go back and do that one. Um, but pick the right side. There's this bit, you've got to pick the right side of this little ridge line bit. You could fall and die on one side or you get through it pretty safely on the other. He went on the ugly side at one point and I, 
I, I, I still watched. I sort of thought he was going to fall. I kept saying to myself, go back, go back, but he got through it. Um, but And Vic's one was more like a traditional kind of um, ascent. She went from, from the village straight up the fastest, most direct route possible to the summit of Cozzi. Um, yeah, and I picked Hannel's. So that's a, a perfect lead in, um, in, I guess, you know. So you've picked Hanel's Spur and, and on the limited time I've had to do a bit of reading about Hanel's Spur, I have to say it sparked my interest to find out a bit more about it. Um, can you tell us a bit about, you know, what, what you've learnt about Hanel's, why, why that appealed to you and why that became um, your choice? I did see a reference to a conversation with Sean Greenhill, which is always dangerous when we're talking about going up hills. Um, so, yeah, just a bit of background on Hannel's Spur and how you came to, to choose that. Yeah, so I'd heard about Hannel's ages ago. Um, thought it was well beyond my capacities as a skinny-legged dude. Um, but, uh, like, for me, I love the history of it uh, as much as it is, as it is the, you know, the, it's pretty cool having being the biggest climb that we have in Australia in a, in a single, like, ascent, you call it um it's got an awesome history because for thousands of years it was used by indigenous people to go from the uh the, the plains country up into the the high country um uh, and then uh, Streslecki used it for his ascent to Cozzi um and so you know it, it's just got this really cool history and 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 the, the whole idea of of you know it's, it's, it's a European-style climb compared to most of the mountains we have here, uh, and there's not many of those, and that it traverses multiple environments. You know, you're going from 400-odd metres um, altitude, which is like that dry sclerophyllous sort of scrub, you know, your typical eucalypt stuff, and then as you're going, the environment just keeps changing and then it opens up and it's this beautiful high country. Um, and so all my research into it was just getting me really pumped to do it for something different and then you started seeing all these people doing it brendan went up there bloody heaps of people were going up there and i'm like what's going on I'm like i thought it was a secret i thought they're going to go way too quick and i'm not going to get close to this thing luckily brendan didn't actually go and do it he was just chilling out and checking out the top part of it he, as he was telling me but um you know it's it's um you know being the biggest climb in australia you can imagine you know, having done, you know, mountains like Feathertop and the like, it's a very different proposition. And so, um, yeah, I just thought, you know, why not give it a nudge? So let's, um, let's have a talk about the day itself, um, the run that you went there. I have to admit, I, um, being a, a tragic Facebook stalker of um, anyone who I aspire to be, including yourself probably in that list, Dave, um, I saw some photos through the week which looked some spectacular camping sites, you know, waking up to the morning. I remember the, 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 the very cheery barista photo that's up there. Um, and my impression was, oh, Dave's he, he's really invested in this. He's got up there for the week. He's, uh, he's wrecked all the parts of the course through the week leading up to it. He's got a good feel for it. And then he set himself at the end of the week to have a crack at the FKT. And then I, I found out that you actually ran at sight unseen for your FKT attempt, which is... Obviously, a really challenging way to take on something like that because you don't know. Like, you, you hit a climb and you don't know if this is going to go for 3Ks at this gradient or whether it's just a couple of hundred metres and then I'll get to rest at the top. So, I guess, 
What I'm interested in, having taken that approach of, of sight unseen, can you talk us through your day, some of the challenges that came up, maybe that might relate to not really knowing what was coming ahead of you? Um, and I guess the thing that many runners are interested to hear from, particularly from our elite runners, is, is when those challenges come up, what do you do to manage that, to get through it and, and to push on? Yeah, yeah. So I, I picked the brains of a couple of people prior. Tim McCartney Snape was up there with us and um, we poured over maps the night before and looked at bloody where this thing went and he's a details man. <laughs> he knows every inch of every mountain on the planet, I reckon. Um, and, yeah, he, ex he described it all to me, you know. I spoke to Sean Greenhill. I sent out messages to... Where is he? I'm blind as a bat. I need glasses. Well, I do wear glasses, but... Um, asking people what it's like and, you know, what's the rivers like, all this stuff. But um, until you're there, you, you don't really know. Um, and I grossly underestimated it. Um, from oh, many perspectives, I didn't have enough water, enough fuel. Um, the temperature down the bottom, it's really hot. And then it it, it cools down as, you, as you're getting up there. Um, you know, the first... In the first nine and a half k or nine k is fifteen hundred meters of climbing, um, but there's downhill in there. You know, there's flats and downs in amongst it, so it's it's really ugly. And you're kind of in a like in this. It's single track. It's well marked early on, um, but it, it it just climbs and climbs and climbs. And like you said, you don't know where the downs or the flats are. You don't know. You know, where the free-flowing running is, there's none. None at all. And the worst part was I deluded myself thinking I'd get to the top of the actual main spur track and all the maps and that, you know, it, it looks flat. And I was like, man, I'm humming through there. And uh, that's where I lost all my time, you know, because it, it's I, – I, I went off and I went up through the bloody scrub and I was getting angry and – and I'm angry at the best of times, you know. And then, and so then, um, you know, and I'm looking, I'm going, there's Cozzy, it's right, it's just bloody there on your right-hand side. But it takes ages to get there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that last part, the prettiest part of all, you know, you've got to get it right and it's um, it's not really marked, the, the, the last part of it. So you can lose a lot of time. And so looking back at it, you know, it's it's there to be crushed, the time, you know, and... Hopefully someone will and then hopefully I will. So you have something I can associate with now. I can't associate with the 15800, but I can associate with seeing the peak and it takes forever to get there. <laughs> that, uh, that sits very naturally with my running abilities. So look, um, we haven't really talked about your time. You, you talked about a time that you think can be, can be beaten and I know that just talking to you before, you've got a real interest in potentially having another crack yourself, having seen it once. What... What was your time and what do you think is possible? You don't remember? Roughly? 2.38. Okay, it's 2.38. And so I guess what do you think is possible out there? Um, look, for a, a purest uphill runner, um, you know, you, you should be able to get there in like two and a quarter or under, you know. I mean, if I went back, I'd want two and a quarter. Maybe if you have a magic day and everything goes right and it's nice and cool probably yeah like just over two hours i reckon is doable and um i suppose what's the um just so people can put that in perspective how 
What's the distance? What's the elevation gain? Okay, so it's 15.5 kilometres, or call it 10 mile with it from start to top of Cozzy. Um, and in that time you climb roughly 1,890 metres thereabouts. Um, but like I said, the bulk of that comes in the first 9Ks. And it's not so much the vertical gain over distance. It's the, it, look, it's it's not a groomed trail, you know. It, there is there, there's markings, but there's trees down. There's, there's not free running. It's power hiking. It gets quite technical. And even like I said, the flat stuff isn't flat. Even if you get the right route, you're going through mud and and marshy sort of stuff. So um, I think yeah, I reckon two hours ten. Give it a crack. I'll be, uh, I'm sure many of us, as, as this FKT world, I think will continue to grow, will be eagerly watching, um, particularly given, I think, the stature that this FKT could well build in Australia, given the nature of the distance, the, the history, etc. you've talked about. Look, I know there was probably a couple of people in the crowd that have said that they've got a question or two. Are you happy to take a couple from the crowd? Before we do, I had one that came in, actually, um, that I was asked and I thought that he might be here today and, and it's, it came from a very heated conversation after six foot on the weekend um, and, and it was basically suggesting that, that, that as an elite runner who's done all these immense things, how do you cope with only being the second fastest student from Colo High School? Um, because Luke Taylor is of strong belief that, that, that he was a little bit faster than you. No, no, Luke, Luke, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. <laughs> but he's a lot slower. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, f I mean, maybe he might have been faster than me as a school kid over 5K. That's because you only ran 5K as a school kid because you were too slow to run fast races. Because when you're a school kid, the popular kids do the fast stuff. Yeah. Chicks dig the guys that did the fast stuff. It's, um, I'm glad this is recorded because we needed an answer for Luke. Put him back in his place after he's... Actually, in, in Luke's credit, an incredible run on the weekend to finish ninth at six foot um, from wave two for those who are interested. So we had a little bit of slalom work to do um, on the single track early um, to be able to run that. And I believe he was still quite respectful and didn't push too many people off the track to get through early. Look, is there anyone um, out there that has a question of Dave? It could be uh, about his, his um, FKT attempt or, or some of the other things we've heard about. How did you prepare for that kind of dirt? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not really well known as a climber. I can run up a mountain perfectly well. Um, for me, I, what I do is I live in the middle of the, of the city. I've got no mountains to run up. Um, which sucks, but uh, stairs and weighted vest. So, because it, it's, it's all about realistically running up a mountain's power to weight ratio, but your capacity to suffer. Um, and I'll tell any, I've said this a lot, the hardest race you will ever do, I don't believe it's, it's about distance. People talk about the longest, you know, running 100 miles in big mountains. You run 10k track, that's bloody horrible because it, it's incredibly hard. It's really intense and you're suffering the whole time and there's no hiding and, you, and it's intense for multiple days leading into it because of what's on the horizon. So um, 
it's 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 like a time trial, you know. You, you just got a red line, and you got to know where you can sit and how much, you know, you can put up with snot and dribble and stuff coming out, and and you just get on with it, you know. It's because at at in, at that sort of um, distance and vertical gain, like it, it, there are mechanics and and so on that do do play a part. Um, but if you can manage a steady state of, of that's a really high pain tolerance and capacity to suffer, then you know you don't need big mountains to train on. Um, you just need to bloody learn to love it, man. You know. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, any other questions out there for Dave while we've got him, Grant? Oh look, it, it the FKT world's still a bit. It's all being discovered. Like they're, they're, it's like say for example, do you cut switchbacks in a race? You know, some people do in Europe. They do in America. You don't. Australia you don't cut cut a switchback. Um, in 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 the FKT world, it's just it's about going. Handelspur is a known track, um, but once you'd finish the spur track, technically. Do you just, you know, go direct to the summit because you could, but is that going to be the fastest? So yeah, you could probably recce it and and go look. It's it's about doing handles and then 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 and summiting. Um, uh, in my mind, look, you wouldn't you wouldn't go out there and mark the thing. You might recce it, um, but I mean, I, I think the best strategy would be you know, probably beelining it to the summer. I reckon that's the coolest strategy. It'd get ugly because it's, like, really technical and rocky and full-on, but I reckon that'd be... Yeah, that's right. I reckon it's about the quickest. I reckon it's the quickest from once you get off the known mark track. In my opinion, it's the quickest to get to the top and whatever route you take, you take. Within keeping of, you know, the environment and so on, you don't want to, you know, be treading on wombats and stuff. I think we've caught most of the questions that were there. I'm sure there might be some that people might like to come and have a chat to you after just for a minute or so, Dave, if, that, if that's okay with you. Um, look, can we all thank Dave very much for, for coming here and having a run with us tonight um, and a bit of a chat. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks to Ben and Dave for a great insight into elite trial running and achieving an amazing FKT. Stay tuned for more great running discussions here at the Blue Mountains Trail Runner podcast. See you next time and have fun out on those trails. Mm -hmm.